Welcome to Building Blocks, connecting people, places, and policies. Building Blocks is a space for thought-provoking conversations about the current issues, trends, ideas, and big questions facing the affordable housing and community development field in the United States. I'm your host, Laurel Blatchford, president of Enterprise Community Partners. As a proven and powerful nonprofit, Enterprise creates opportunity for low and moderate income people for affordable housing in diverse, thriving communities. Everyday Americans are being confronted with the affordable housing crisis in new ways. Whether the introduction to the topic is through a personal account of increased rent, someone having to move out of a neighborhood or feeling displaced, larger conversations that are happening in many cities on concepts like gentrification, government protection, or even housing subsidy, it is just everywhere. And at the same time, we're seeing real challenges faced by cities, states, and the federal government with how to effectively advance policies and programs that ensure all people, regardless of income level, racial or ethnic background, or country of origin, have access to healthy, affordable housing. Two years ago, Enterprise partnered with the Frameworks Institute to better understand the public's perception of affordable housing. Through that research, the team concluded that a new framing strategy is necessary to effectively build public support for affordable housing and community development. This strategy must address the skepticism, nimbyism, and consumerist thinking that clouds our field and slows progress. This work uh, was led by Dr. Tiffany Manuel, uh, now CEO of CaseMade. While she was at Enterprise, we were lucky enough to work together, and we are fortunate to have her today to talk about the nationally recognized pieces that she has published with Frameworks to investigate how and why housing messages have backfired and how they can be more effective. So welcome, Tiffany. It's great to have you again on the podcast. Glad to be here. So first, this work is something you've been doing for some time, both in Enterprise and in your new role. Congratulations on the new company. Very exciting. Um, Could you just ground us a little bit in the origins of that work and kind of what you found as you started to develop this thinking? Um, And then I want to hear about what you're doing now. Sure. Glad to do so. So this work originally came out of a strategic planning process that Enterprise was involved in. We were planning for 2020, like most organizations across the country, trying to figure out what were the sort of key things and drivers and neighborhoods and communities that we needed to address. And, and, and this was like 2013, 2014, right? <laughs> exactly. This was some time ago. Exactly. Right? This was for the, before the mayhem that we will just not talk about at the moment, which includes the government shutdown and all kinds of stuff. We will just put that to the side. So we were, pl- we were doing that planning process, and one of the things that we were very concerned about was how we would build the capacity of the field around a whole range of issues related to affordable housing. Some of that was about how we would equip the field with better data, um, and so uh, that resulted in Opportunity 360, which provides a whole range of data for every community across the country. And it also resulted in quite a bit of work around messaging and communications to help those same communities take that data and actually be able to leverage it to build public will around issues of affordable housing. So I'm really happy to say that that work has been very well received across the country in the same way that Opportunity 360 have. And I feel like we've really made a major contribution in helping the field overall get a better sense of how we um, tell our story. Can you summarize that research and talk about how that starts to differentiate and help us advance this even further. So you had the original thinking around backfire effect and what messages do and don't work. What is this next phase of work that you're doing both, you know, in the last few months of last year as well as what you're doing now at Casemade? 
What is that? What's different about that? And how are you going to take that even further? Sure. So I'll just take a moment to just do a nod to my partners at the Frameworks Institute. So the Frameworks Institute was really responsible for uh, the bulk of the research itself. My role was really in helping Frameworks to understand the broad range of challenges in the housing field and to make sure that that research was really attending to those issues. So the first set of papers we put out were really about outlining the challenge, getting people really present to the idea that the way we are talking and communicating about affordable housing is often backfiring and we're not always present to how the how our own practices in terms of communications are backfiring. So just getting our field to sort of understand that at a deep level and to understand what is it about the way we're communicating that's backfiring was really important. Can I interrupt you there? Because this is, I've seen you present on this and it's a very powerful point. Can you give one example of what a backfire effect would be? Sure. So a backfire effect would be, and this is probably symptomatic of most folks in the housing field right now, we always say things like, uh, you know, people are paying 50% or more of their income for housing, right? Because you want to talk about cost burden, right? Um, and cost burden households. The challenge with that is if you frame it like that, the sort of response on the other side is, then why are people doing that? Why are people making decisions that put their, their own families in jeopardy, right? And so it doesn't have the effect of people saying, we ought to do something about that. The effect is, well, you need to give those folks financial literacy. They need to understand the impact of their decisions and they need to make better decisions. That's not what we're after. We're after how do we get to a broader system change? And you don't get that there by having people be blamed for the circumstances they find themselves in. And I would just interject for listeners, it's worth looking at this first body of research that we're talking about up close because it is so powerful to see people reacting that way across the spectrum of income, race, age, geography. You did work across the country to test this, right? right? So it is actually quite a deep-seated set of assumptions that we're really trying to tap into and change here. Absolutely. And I so that's just want to amplify that point because I think that was kind of what got me most excited about this research was the sense that we need to shift public perception in a much deeper way, not just in a you know, who you're going to vote for on Tuesday, kind of That's right. maybe a decision or a sort of one-time event, but kind of a bigger mentality shift that we all need to make. That's right. So, sorry to interrupt you. Let's shift then to what this next body of work that you've done more recently is about, and it builds on mm-hmm. on the backfire effect and all the things you were just identifying. Sure. The body of research that we just published with the Frameworks Institute was really about Uh, being very clear about what are some recommendations that we could make to the field, given a whole swath of research that the Frameworks Institute conducted that would inform practice. So it's one thing to tell people that their current practices are backfiring. (laughs) If you just stop there, it's not very helpful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. So our challenge was to do that piece, but also match it with, and then here are the things that you can do or how you can say that differently so that people respond differently. And there are a number of things. So even in the example I gave around, you know, who's paying for housing, we give some very specific examples of how you take that same sentence and say it differently. You can say the availability of um, uh, homes for folks across a range of, of, of income levels doesn't exist, especially for those folks who are low income. So that's a broader systems issue. That's not about individual people making different decisions. It's that the that the, the market itself is not providing the resources that people at different levels of income actually need in this community. Um, so that sets up a different kind of problem that you're asking people to solve, and it helps people to lean into a more systems kind of oriented perspective. So in this latest work, we give a whole range of suggestions and recommendations about what to do 
with very specific suggestions about what to say. There are even some suggestions around how to tweet about it, right? <laughs> we live in the 21st century media age, and even, you know, you get 140 characters or, or, or a little bit more now these days on, on Twitter. But how would you tweet about these issues if you were really trying to bring people to, the, to get present to these issues? And so that's great. I love it because... I think framing tweets at this point is as important as anything else, right? Yes, we have we have learned as of late that the yes, uh, <laughs> Twitter policy making through Twitter. Yes. So, if you could just give some examples, maybe from the clients that you are working with now. So, where where do people be? Where do advocates? Let's say we're speaking of advocates, meaning people who are implementing housing programs or people who are advocating for more resources, sort of people who want this thing to happen, right? Where do those folks begin to lose support and how are you counseling them is it I know it's easy to say here's the tweet you should be writing but maybe if you could just give a get a little deeper into some examples and how you're helping people make that shift yeah so I would say that there are a lot of folks who are trying to bring a number of things one trying to bring together cross-sector tables to address issues of housing and it's really hard um, to get folks who uh, are, are in other sectors who have their own issues to solve, so like healthcare institutions, they have their own problems in healthcare. <laughs> they don't need our problems in housing. But if you look at the challenges they're having in healthcare, a lot of them are deeply related to what's happening in housing. But we're trying to make the case for why we actually um, get further along by working together and what does that working together actually look like. So in the practice that I've created, the case made, it's really about how do you help create those sort of cross-sector linkages um, that help people to see their stake in your success, and in particular their stake in housing, um, which is a lot of the work I do currently. So um, a good portion of that is really helping folks to understand what are the things that bring people to the table. Things like, as housers, we talk a lot about the what. We talk about, right? Uh, we talk about what we do, how many units of affordable housing. I think all of, I think all of folks in housing are frustrated by that. But we haven't always had a, a good alternative. So what do you what do you what do you say that brings people to the table if you can't scream at the top of your lungs that we build affordable housing? This is how many units we provide, and the need is still so great. Um, you know, there's an alternative way to bring to, as a call to action to bring people to the table that actually gets them excited about the work. What someone I was talking with recently described it in a way that I think is hilarious and accurate, which is when they go low, we go technical. Yes. Rather than <laughs> we go high, right? So, like, kind of working against that tendency in the field, which I think, you know, is probably true for a lot of very detailed bodies of work. I was remembering when we were working with Frameworks a couple of years ago, they gave an example of work they did with climate scientists. Mm -hmm. You know, another highly technical field where you feel that your evidence and data is so convincing, but people still aren't getting it, right? Exactly so right. it's like the same challenge I think we face in, in community development and housing. So that's, a, that's, a, that's interesting. Well, so, and do you, do you see, like you mentioned health and housing, do you see other sectors coming to the table to talk about housing in new ways as well? So I think, you know, housing is one of those those issues that I think is so fundamental to community development that it literally, there are links to almost everything. Right. So one of the things that I counsel folks to do is to, to think outside the box of who should be allies with you on this journey and to call them into action. Um, and the call to action is not, oh my God, there's so many people who are paying 50% or more of the income for housing. That's not the call to action. But it's about the larger aspiration of we and why this matters. It matters because the future of our country, it matters because the future of our community depends on our ability to solve this problem. Um, and that's not just a housing problem, that's a health problem, that's a transit problem. I mean, that's right, a problem right, for everybody. Right. And when you frame it bigger in that way, 
you get people being able to lean in because they also recognize their stake in that bigger thing. Right. So that's a really good segue to another issue I wonder about, which is this is such a big problem. How can I, sitting in my house on Capitol Hill as a resident in my community, in Ward 6, let's just take myself as an example, what can I do, right? Or yes. whether it's even from my seated enterprise. Like, how, how do you respond and help people think about a problem that often feels just too plain, big, and overwhelming? Yeah. So you hit on a thing that I think is really challenging us as a field. I think traditionally we have leaned very hard on numbers that try and suggest to folks how big the problem is. So you could say, you know, 40 million Americans are struggling with housing or 20 million Americans don't have this or 11 million Americans. Um, And I think we've done that mostly because we think that that as a number calls people to action. But as you just said, it doesn't. It actually has the opposite effect that people actually shut down because Especially they think it's in this so age big. When there's so much information overload. Exactly. Exactly. So there are two things I would say about that. One is that it is in part a framing problem, which is to say um, you want to frame your efforts as really practical and thoughtful. Uh, doesn't mean you shy away from how big the problem is, but you want to say, you know, we are forward-thinking people in this community who are who have a have, have an issue that we want to address, but we're practical, we're thoughtful. There are solutions that are on the table that are that we could implement tomorrow with with you know a lot of invest with with a lot of investment of stakeholders around the table. So talking in that kind of very practical language allows people to feel like they could right uh, address these issues. And I would say the other thing is, which is a little bit outside the scope of what I do, but certainly relevant, is um, giving people really practical examples of what they can do on the other side of that call to action. Um, I can't tell you how many materials I see where there's so much information about what the problem is in those materials, so they, they do a great job of credentialing the problem. And then there's so little about what people should actually do besides, as you said, like pulling the lever in the voting booth, right? Or one other thing that, that is, you know, like this one-time thing they can do. Um, so I think one of the things in the field that we're going to have to do, especially coming into a, right, quickly into a new election cycle, is to figure out how to get people certainly to the polls, but to think about a whole range of things they can do to lean in and help. So it's almost, if I'm understanding you right, it's, it's framing it in an inclusive and broader way and then giving people a way to step into the problem that doesn't feel overwhelming. Exactly. I don't know if bite-sized is the right word, but certainly something that can be absorbed exactly. right, in this environment. So you mentioned 2020. Can we talk about that? Yes, let's do. Because I'm just interested in the question of how you view this work as contributing to those conversations. So say more about that, if you could. Yeah. So so I want to take a little bit of a step back, and I want to say... Um, Back and forward. How about that? <laughs> so I want to say I, I am I am I am very excited about 2020 because I think you know the affordable housing field has been getting stronger in terms of its advocacy over a number of years, um, and for the first time in a very long time, I think we have the opportunity to really see housing at least be uttered from a presidential candidate in a really thoughtful and serious way, and probably from some of the folks who were in the House and the Senate. So I feel like there's a really good opportunity to see our issues being discussed in a much larger form than we usually have. Um, having said that, I think this work is really important. I think I remember when we had the same kind of opportunity in 2008 and nine, when there was a housing quote unquote crisis before, and we lost the narrative. Right, the narrative became about too big to fail, and you know, bankers and subprime mortgages and. Um, uh, how many folks were, were, were buying homes that were too big and they were making bad decisions. And it was not about 
why housing is a central kind of organizing concept for community, why it is essential to everything that we do and why we need to be thinking more about it. So this time around in 2020, we're going to have another shot at you know, at, at this, we're going to have another bite at the apple, which is there's a huge housing crisis that is looming, that is taking in the news almost every day and almost every major newspaper across the country, where if we are organized and thoughtful and disciplined, we will have the ability to have a very different kind of narrative take shape. And I'm really excited about the possibility of doing that. Well, that's inspiring. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to doing it together uh, in our markets and our national work and in your new endeavor. So congratulations again on that and uh, look forward to having you on another podcast soon. Great. Thanks. Upcoming episodes of Building Blocks will explore a variety of topics in the housing and community development field and conversations with industry professionals, change makers, and enterprise experts. Please send your feedback to buildingblockspodcast at enterprisecommunity.org. Thank you for listening.